One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. And I'm Courtney Eck. And we're sisters. Sadie's <laughs> got to concede to it. She <laughs> has to concede to it. But guess well, now what? Now I say it, it feels normal. Yeah. Like, of course we said it. Uh, whoever doubted that. Sadie's <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe in our promo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we heard you, all of you, loud and clear. Yes, thank you for we backing me up. Thank you for taking time. my side in this showdown <laughs> well, i like how you weren't like totally convinced you were just being polite to me kind of i mean yeah. i'm a good big sister yeah you are Let me. i'm the big one did we ever establish that i'm older yeah i think so i mean i think people probably figured it out um do you want to tell a murder story i would love to i hey. would love to this story is really fucked up you guys this is the horrifying tale of the pottery cottage murders so William Hughes was born in Lancashire, England on August 8, 1946, and was the oldest of six children. He spent the majority of his childhood in trouble, and it seemed that the more he was punished for his petty crimes, the worse he became. As he got older, he also started drinking and eventually landed in jail as an adult. While in prison, Hughes met and married a woman named Jean, and the two maintained their relationship after he was released from jail. Their relationship was horribly violent, resulted in multiple bone breaks and injuries for Jean, and the two also produced a daughter named Nicola. Despite his extremely violent and unfaithful relationship with Nicola's mother, it's reported that Hughes loved and doted on Nicola very much. Eventually, Hughes met an older woman named Teresa that he became infatuated with, and he left Jean to move in with Teresa to try and start anew and turn his life around. Despite Hughes's desires to start fresh and become a new and better person, he couldn't seem to escape his overwhelmingly violent tendencies, and on the 21st of August, 1976, he went to a bar to have drinks on his own and met a couple while at the bar. He proceeded to get drunk to the point that he made the other couple very uncomfortable, and they decided to leave the bar and Hughes to drink on his own. As the couple were walking through a park to go home, Hughes showed up and attacked the boyfriend, 
and beat him unconscious with a brick. Oh, no. He then raped the female and left the boyfriend for dead. Oh, no. The boyfriend managed to find his way to a police station despite his condition, and authorities set off to find the woman Hughes had raped. Luckily, they found her alive in a public restroom, and she gave a description of her attacker, which eventually led to someone who knew Hughes and his propensity for violence to turn him in. Good. When Hughes was apprehended, he said he had had sex with the woman, but that it had been consensual, and that he'd beaten the man half to death out of self-defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe every, I believe every yep. word of that. Luckily, the courts didn't believe Hughes' weak defense, and he was sent back to prison. Unfortunately, Hughes' previous offenses and dangerous behavior wasn't adequately communicated to prison authorities, and he was designated a Category B inmate, which is less restrictive than other categorizations. Because Hughes was given a less restrictive categorization, he was allowed to work in the prison kitchen, and on one of his shifts, he managed to steal and conceal a boning knife. Oh, no. While he was in prison, he maintained good behavior and a low profile, so never aroused the suspicions of the guards that he was more dangerous or violent than they observed. Hughes was transported to and from court on multiple occasions, and every time they followed the same routine to prepare him for transport and took the same route to and from court. So strip down, you know, check your mouth or whatever. Every Mm -hmm. single time it was the same. On the 12th of January, 1977, Hughes was being transported to court by taxi, which they used to transport them by (laughs) fucking taxi cab in the UK. Wow. Oh, 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 right. Yeah, we're in the UK. I forgot. Okay. okay. Yeah. I don't know if you told us that, but if you did, I I forgot. I (laughs) don't think that I did. Yes, we're in the UK. (laughs) Can you imagine? Like, let me call the Uber. Hold on. (laughs) Do you get like a discount if you're willing to ride share with an inmate? Jesus. Yes. I can't tell you. I'm like, son of a bitch. They're like, uh, we just got to take him to court real quick and then we'll take you to your photo right. shoot. You get a dollar off. <laughs> My God. Oh, God. So he was being transported to court by taxi and was handcuffed to Officer Ken Simmons in the back seat while Officer Don Sprintle sat in the front passenger seat next to the taxi driver. The weather was horrible that day, and the driver was navigating through extremely heavy snowfall, and as they were nearing the courthouse, Hughes announced that he desperately needed to use the restroom. Hold it. That's what what they said. (laughs) At first, the officers refused, but Hughes persisted, and they just happened to be passing a rest stop, so they finally relented. Because of the poor weather, the restrooms were empty, and the officers waited outside of the stall door for Hughes to finish. It's believed that at that point, Hughes took the boning knife that he'd had hidden in the prison for several months and somehow managed to conceal on his body that morning and moved it to a more accessible location on his person. You sneaky little fucker. Seriously. The officers then escorted Hughes back to the car and they continued on to Hughes' court appearance but before they could reach the courthouse, the taxi driver reported Don suddenly collapsed forward in his seat as Hughes had retrieved the boning knife from its new hiding place and stabbed Don in the back of the neck. 
Before anyone could register what was happening, Hughes then turned to Ken, who he was handcuffed to, and began to attack him, resulting in a massive wound to Ken's hand and a stab wound to the neck. Oh, man. Why don't you put that as, like, top 20 things I don't want to have happen, is to be handcuffed to someone who's attacking me with a fucking knife. Yeah. Hughes convinced the driver to pull over, traded places with Don, and instructed both officers, who had luckily survived their attacks... Oh, good. I know, to duck out of sight, and then directed the taxi driver to drive him away from the courthouse. Oh, poor taxi driver. (laughs) Just trying to fucking drive your black car. Put in a lot of time, got to memorize every fucking street or whatever, Uh, and then the next thing you know... Stabbings. Fucking bloodbath, no thank Uh. you. Eventually, Hughes instructed the driver to pull over and told all three men to get out of the car and run... And Hughes then stole the cab and continued on. After driving for some time, Hughes somehow managed to crash into a wall, which I, like, at first I was like, who crashes into walls? But then I remembered it's like a horrible blizzard. So that's a little bit more realistic, but still, you're on the getaway. Like, take your time. Use your turn signals. (laughs) Right. Yield to the walls. Yield to the walls. Yeah. So this rendered the car inoperable, so he continued his getaway on foot through the snow. Meanwhile, the taxi driver and police officers were able to flag down help and alert police that Hughes had escaped, and 25 minutes later, authorities found the wrecked and abandoned car. Unfortunately, the falling snow covered up any tracks Hughes would have left behind, and police set up a three-mile search with the crash site as the center point, and assume their fugitive would head in the direction of an area he'd lived in before. They also thought it was unlikely that he would have attempted traveling through the moors, especially considering the weather, but that's exactly what he did. What is going on with the moors, man? I, just avoid the moors. I, I mean, I'm a, I think that moors is just another word for, like, wetlands but okay so it's not yeah. like there's only one the more because more, yeah. <laughs> somebody confirm this for us please are there multiple mores there's maximum mores max mores <laughs> well when you're in the united states you just hear about the mores murders the so mores murders you assume that there is the mores um uh, uh, more uh, one one more yes. singular no okay. i think it's I could Google it, but we'll just let the people tell us about it. they'll tell us about it. So while Hughes was traversing the brutal terrain of the Moors, police were putting that territory at the bottom of their priority list of places to search. Oh, no. He traveled north for four miles until he reached Baslow Road in Eastmore. So there's an east one. Okay, that's good. (laughs) So there's probably four of them. At least, yep. He walked until he stumbled upon North End Farm, which was an 18th century pottery barn that Arthur and Amy Minton had purchased in 1969, converted to two units, and renamed Pottery Cottage. No, he's not invited. Like, you can hold hostages in, like, Damien's shed of darkness or something, but not Pottery Cottage. Arthur and Amy Minton had married in 1931 and had two daughters, Barbara and Jillian. 
They ran a grocery store for a number of years, and after Arthur's retirement, they moved to Pottery Cottage and invited their daughter Jillian, her husband Richard, and their adopted daughter Sarah to live with them. No, uh, they're grocers, and no. They're fucking grocers who live in a pottery cottage. (laughs) So on the day that Hughes escaped, 72-year-old Arthur and 68-year-old Amy were home at Pottery Cottage when Hughes broke in through the back door holding two axes he'd found in their shed and explained that he was on the run from the police and needed to hide out until nightfall, but promised he would not hurt them. A short time later, 36-year-old Jillian returned home and her parents explained what was happening. So when her daughter, 10-year-old Sarah, arrived home from school a bit later, she lied and said Hughes' car had broken down and he was just waiting for his car to be fixed. Oh, God. The adults then chatted over coffee for a while, while Sarah sewed on the floor nearby, and eventually Sarah and her grandfather, Arthur, went into the other unit to watch TV. And when I say other unit, everything I read said the annex, which I'm, I know they converted it into two units, so I'm assuming the annex was the other unit, like a duplex. Okay. Because Jillian, Richard, and Sarah live on one half, and Arthur and Amy live on the other half. Okay. And who went to the other? Uh, Sarah and her grandfather, Arthur. They left. To they go just went watch next TV. door. Right, okay. exactly. Jillian later reported, quote, up to this time, Hugh's manner was friendly, but he became more agitated as the time passed waiting for Richard to return. When Richard arrived home, Hughes's agitation had escalated to the point that he had Jillian at knife point and threatened to kill her if anyone came near him. He forced Richard to get on the ground and tied up his hands and legs. He then forced Jillian and Amy to follow suit, but Amy became hysterical and Arthur and Sarah heard her cries and came back into the room to see what was happening. Hughes then moved to tie up Arthur, who resisted and was dragged across the room and tied to an armchair. Once the adults were all bound, he gagged each of them, put them all in separate rooms in the house, and brought Sarah to the other unit alone. Jillian said she spent the first night tied up and gagged on the floor of her bedroom and could hear Hughes beating her father in the living room below. God, I don't like that you said first night. Oh, God. Yeah. It's Funny Games, I think, is my top number one most scary movie I've ever seen. And this case reminds me so much of that movie. Hughes then made tea for the family. And after he served the tea to Jillian, who still had her hands and feet tied, he raped her. Ugh, God. He then went to where her husband was being kept in the other bedroom and chatted with him all night, quote, as if he'd met him in a pub. Like, this oscillation between, like, weirdly domestic and horribly violent is very upsetting to me. Yes. So the next morning at 7.30 a.m., a local worker arrived to empty the septic tank on the property, and Hughes sent Jillian out to greet him and, quote, act normal. And the worker later reported that Jillian seemed completely normal and gave him no cause for concern. Wow. Quote, she had desperately wanted to whisper something or write the word help across the paperwork, but she knew Hughes was watching from a window. If the man had reacted in any way, he would have seen... 
On the way back through the house, Jillian reported that she was able to see her father, Arthur, slumped in the same armchair Hughes had tied him to before, and, quote, he wasn't moving. I couldn't see if he was injured or bleeding. Hughes pulled her away, reassuring her that her father was just sleeping. Jillian then asked about her daughter, and Hughes said she was also fine and was asleep in the other unit. Hughes then told Jillian and Richard to call into work sick so their employers wouldn't be suspicious of their absences and also had them call Sarah's school. After this, he sent Jillian out to buy him a newspaper and cigarettes and to scout for roadblocks, threatening that he would hurt or kill her family if she tried to summons help or didn't return, saying, quote, I've got your family here, Jill. Don't do anything stupid. (laughs) What do you do? (laughs) What do you do? Quote, around her, people were just getting on with their lives. If they only knew what's happening at my house, she agonized. Walking into the news agents, she saw a stand of local newspapers with headlines screaming, dangerous hijackers still free, hostage fear. Like, what would you do? I don't know. I honestly do not know. Nope. No. I'm not even going to, like, speculate. No, I want you to sit here and think about it. (laughs) Well, I just mean, yeah, like, it's easy to sit here, like, assholes, and be like, oh, well, if I, I would, of course, I would call police. Like, no, you don't know. I don't know what I would do. I would do anything, whatever it took to to get out of it with my family precisely so whatever i thought in that moment was best is exactly what i would do and i would do it really well yep and you know like i don't know it's fucking horrifying horrifying because it's a gamble no matter what it's a gamble if you fight if it's a gamble if you be polite it's a gamble if you tell like yeah you're just lord like god forbid she alerts police and she's safe and everybody else dies like you know you're just never gonna you're never gonna win this monster came into your house and ruined your lives and that's the end of you know like that's it then you're screwed it's right exactly i mean based and i wouldn't be like going through my fucking rolodex of true crime statistics in the moment but based on what i know generally you don't make it out well from a hostage situation so i would probably tell somebody if yeah. I could, if I had yes. the courage, because yes. at the very least, like you want to get as many people out alive as possible. And the right. odds are not in your favor. Even if you're right. polite, even if he says, I'm not going to tell anybody you've all seen his fucking face, you know, etc. Right. You think about no. like, uh, the Cheshire murders. Yes. Like, where the, the guys take the mom to the bank. Ugh, that's exactly what this back. made me and, think of. Yes. Yeah. She's just trying doing her best, but. I don't, I've just got total chills. I don't like to think about it. My, my, I'm, makes me want to vomit and it gives my vomit chills also. Yes. (laughs) I just got double chills. Yeah. Okay. Continue. (laughs) Okay. When Jillian got back from her errands, she noticed Arthur was no longer in the armchair and Hughes told her he'd moved him into his bedroom. Hughes again sexually assaulted Jillian, and afterward, Jillian prepared meals for Hughes and her family, and Hughes made sure to bring food to Arthur and Sarah and the other parts of the house and property. Later in the day, Jillian asked Hughes if Sarah had asked for her comfort towel and her favorite toy, which she had a hard time sleeping without, and Hughes told her to bring them to him. 
He then brought them to Sarah in the other unit, and when he returned, he told Jillian Sarah, quote, was really pleased to see them. He also told them at various points that he'd fed the family dogs and Sarah's pet rabbit. When they asked how Arthur was doing, quote, Billy always replied that he was all right and that Sarah was looking after him. He said that Sarah was only tied with a pair of tights and neither of them were gagged. I had asked him why Sarah didn't call out. He said it was because he told her not to. Jill found it odd, though, that there was no sound coming from the annex. Quote, we never heard the toilet flush or anything. Eventually, he announced that he would be leaving later that evening and proceeded to untie his hostages and share a bottle of whiskey with them while they played cards together. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'd be so grateful for the fucking whiskey, but... Right. It's just bizarro town, man. I couldn't, like... (sighs) Getting into your Jim Rummy game or whatever. No. Letting him win. (laughs) So we have Jillian, the bad guy, and then who else is she with? Amy and her husband. Amy is her grand, her mother. Her so mother. Her mother and, and Richard. And then her husband. Correct. The, uh, Jillian's husband. Correct. Okay. So the her dad, Jillian's dad and daughter are the ones are that are elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He took two trips out that day to prepare for his departure and brought Richard and Jillian with him on the first trip and just Jillian on the second. During these scouting trips, the weather intensified and Hughes eventually decided to stay one more night no. at the cottage rather than risk traveling out in the worst snowfall in 50 years. I just, like, Please. ugh. I can't imagine a more crushing disappointment than that. No. That night, Jillian asked if her daughter could join them from the other unit, and Hughes refused to get her. Quote, he became very tense. I didn't mention it again because he frightened me, and I wanted to keep him happy. Meanwhile, a massive police search continued nearby, but the worsening weather and the brutal conditions forced two army helicopters to be grounded soon after they were deployed, and for the search to be called off early in the evening. Before the search was called off, authorities carried out a house-to-house search, including over 200 officers, and spreading out miles from the taxi crash site, and made it to homes just 200 yards from the pottery cottage. Yeah. I don't like that. And I'm really bad at math, and so I like, (laughs) just to double check, with like... (laughs) A yard, right? A a yard is small. Right, yes, three feet. Two hundred yes. fucking yards from the pottery Ugh. cottage. But they were forced inside before they made it to Hughes' actual hiding spot. So on the 14th of January, Hughes sent Richard and Jillian into town to purchase supplies for his escape, again by themselves, and said, quote, and get a present for Sarah as well. She's been Ugh. really good. Stop. Yep. While they were out, Richard suggested they call the police, but Jillian was too afraid for the rest of the family still at the cottage, so they complied with Hughes and returned with the supplies. Oh, God. While Hughes was preparing to leave, he brought food to Sarah and the other unit and relayed conversations he'd been having with the young girl to her parents. 
He then made Richard drive to his place of employment to steal some petty cash to fund Hughes' journey to freedom. Before he left, Hughes tied up Richard and Amy and forced Jillian to join him as a hostage. So everyone's tied up, but he brought Jillian with. Hughes drove for just a few minutes before returning to the cottage, claiming he'd forgotten a map and needed to retrieve it. He went inside to get the map, but was gone for a very long time. Oh, God. Much longer than is required to grab a map and return to the car. (laughs) When Hughes got back to the car, it wouldn't fucking start. Oh, my God. So he told Jillian to go to a neighbor's to ask for help. This time, Jillian informed the neighbors that she was being held hostage by an escaped prisoner and her family was in grave danger, and the neighbors didn't have a phone but left on foot to find help. Hughes figured out that Jillian had betrayed him, but the two were distracted when they saw Jillian's mother, Amy, come staggering out of the cottage and then collapsing, clearly in distress. Quote, I couldn't believe it. She staggered very slowly toward the car. I could see Mom lying on her back in the snow. I was petrified. I was at my wit's end. I cannot imagine. No. Hughes then forced Jillian to ask another neighbor for help, but he joined her to ensure she didn't give him away again, and they were soon on their way. Jillian's neighbors were able to alert the police of Hughes's whereabouts, and they, they were immediately dispatched to the Pottery Cottage, where they found Amy dead in the yard in the front of the home, and Richard, Arthur, and Sarah all deceased inside. <sighs> All four members of the family had died as a result of multiple stab wounds to the throat and chest, and although Hughes had carried on like Sarah and Arthur had been alive for the 55 hours he held the family hostage, police believe Arthur and Sarah were both killed on the first night. (sighs) Despite having a head start, police were able to catch up with Hughes and engaged in a high-speed chase, which ended in Hughes crashing into yet another fucking wall. You're kidding me. Nope. Hughes was quickly surrounded by police, and as they approached the vehicle, they saw Hughes with an axe to Jillian's head, and he demanded they provide him with a new vehicle to escape with. At some point, as the police were trying to negotiate with Hughes, he motioned to strike Jillian with the axe, and when he did... Detective Chief Inspector Peter House dove through the car window to try to shield Jillian, and as he did so, a firearms officer fired a shot at Hughes, and then three more shots were fired before he was incapacitated and finally killed. What a fucking badass. amazing. I'm speechless. I'm like picturing. that's That's the officer everybody needs. Seriously. That's it. Yeah. What a hero. Yeah. Yes, like a full-blown fucking legitimate hero. And this thing is another horror movie, Bonafide, and that is, like, the scene in the movie where you're like, that would never happen. It did. That guy fucking, beep, 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 beep. Like, I picture him, like, ninja through the window. (laughs) Totally. No! You know? Yes. Wow. In the chief inspector's report following the incident, the prison was criticized for failing to, quote, follow standard searching procedures after the knife disappeared from the prison kitchen. He was critical of the search methods used before prisoners' transfers, recommending strip searches in all cases. 
He noted the lack of information provided by the police to enable the prison service to categorize Hughes appropriately, and he criticized the breakdown in communication between different prison departments, which left his records incomplete. The chief inspector made 17 recommendations to be implemented immediately, and they were all accepted. No individual officers or guards were punished, as it was deemed to be a series of systematic errors that led to Hughes' escape, and not the fault of any one person. Chief Inspector House was given the Queen's commendation for brave conduct for protecting Jillian from being struck by the axe. Quote, Jill has never been interviewed for a book, film, or other media. The exception is one interview with Linda Lee Potter in 1977 on the advice of her solicitors. This was driven by the need to stem the hunger and harassment from the national press and to dispel false rumors. Jill will never speak to any media organization and has made no financial gain from recent books and articles. And that, (laughs) my friends, is the story of the fucking nightmarishly awful Pottery Cottage murders. Good night. I hate that story. Before we started recording, I said to Sadie, this story sucks. (laughs) Yeah, man. Jeez. uh, Jeez. Yeah. 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 Why? I know, I know we don't know. I know we don't know, but you just come in and first thing you do is kill a 10-year-old. Yeah. Like, and an old man. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just hide in the, the fucking shed, shed like, like steal a potato, do it like the cartoons, you know? Well, then he just... le- and then to leave and then mm-hmm. change your mind and go back and kill the yeah. rest of them. It's just... Yep. Yep. You didn't have to kill anybody. No, it's like, (laughs) it's one of the worst cases of like horrifying coincidence. And, you know, he wasn't categorized properly. He managed to steal the knife. He managed to get away. He went into the moors. They went the opposite direction. You know, they got 200 fucking yards from the cottage before they were forced to give up because there was a winter storm. You know, it was just like on and on and on. They were able to go out three times, four times, if you include the septic guy. You know, it's just like bad, bad, Uh, bad domino fucking terrible. (laughs) Terrible. And knowing, like, he knew to pretend like the daughter was still alive to keep control of the mom that he kept letting go to keep her afraid yep i really don't like that story at all no it's it's one that'll make your brain bleed from thinking about it too long and just the circumstances like that sustained just torture of him being there and not knowing what he's gonna do i mean y'all know how i feel about home invasion mm-hmm. and it's just fucking scary, like yeah. to drag it out for fifty-five hours Uh-oh. and to like dangle hope, then no. play nice. Like that shit's no. terrible. That's so scary. That sinister niceness. Like Mm-mm. I don't like that at all. Like, at just, all. The anticipation of the bad thing. I've said this a million times. Is the worst part, in my opinion, and like just intensi- It's intensified by yep. that sort of 
let's play cards, let's have tea. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. No. It's Don't like, like it at all. Well, there you go, guys. People are fucking <laughs> terrible, man. They are fucked up. The world can be... It's just amazing to me that the world can simultaneously have, like, miraculous, beautiful things happening and shit like that happening at the exact same time. Whose idea was it to host a true crime podcast again? I know. I know. It's like, I keep, one of these days we're going to have a happy story, but no, that's not what this is, so. No, no. There's, like, little glimmers of happiness or, like, lucky things Mm. or something, but they always come after the fact. It's like, oh, what a lucky break that you got while figuring out who slaughtered that baby. You know? It's never, like, (laughs) Mm -mm. ugh. I know, we got to get our cortisol levels checked. I can't right? imagine that they're in, within a healthy range. <laughs> no. Nope. Probably not. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Okay been, there. Been kind of crazy. I was driving home yesterday, the end of the day, and I was like, what is today? Like, Thursday? It was fucking Monday. Thir- Monday <laughs> was so long that it felt like four days. I'm not even joking. And I was... <laughs> Oh man! Like what it's a is one going thing on? to be to think it's Thursday and it's Wednesday. It's a whole other bag of horrible to think it's Mon to think it's Thursday and it's fucking Monday. Yeah, no. When Ryan told me it was Monday, I didn't believe him. I thought he was fucking with me. And I was like, Don't be a Whoa. jerk. That makes me Very sick to my stomach. Yeah, it was awful. How's everybody out there? I feel like I'm in a time warp. I almost said time zone. I am in a time zone. <laughs> you are. You are actually in a time zone. Yep. Eastern Standard Time Zone, to be I exact. Know. I know. I think don't I... try to find her based on that information. <laughs> that, like they're trying to away a clue. I'm going to She's not in Northern <laughs> Indiana. It's in the area surrounding Chicago because inexplicably <laughs> they're on Central Time. That doesn't make any fucking Why? sense, but they are. Yep. So, so, yes, he's in the most of Indiana. Somewhere in most of Indiana is where she lives. That's right. Not the little bitty sliver right up at the top. That's right. I know. And this episode might come out a little bit late. I don't know. We'll see what Courtney can do. Um, but it's all because my kid is, his team is winning all of the tournament mm. games for baseball mm. so far. So, too bad they will kill is not the sponsor of the team because we would then also be winning all of the games. We would, and we would be recording this live from the dugout, like oh just to further traumatize the children. <laughs> if the creep face on the front of the jerseys wasn't enough, and just the uh, fact that they were, would constantly be asked why they will kill, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll be Howard Cassell, and you can be Harry Carey. We'll mm-hmm. just do this, do the damn thing, do this shit right in front of the uh, live studio audience of children. I know. I'm sure there's some sort of terrible, terrible little league murder out there, and oh god, oh god, no. Now that's when we'd have. I mean, if you're gonna make us broadcast live, we have to go all the way in. Well, if your children wouldn't keep winning their fucking baseball games, we could put this episode out on time so that they're getting (laughs) what they deserve. That's true. Oh, so yeah. Hopefully, so yeah. Let's win the tourney, everybody. Woo! Think think good thoughts for the big kid. Woo! Speaking of not that at all. Yeah. You want, want to talk about some businesses? That's another thing we used to Ooh, say. Ooh, we have, we have businesses? Well, we have somebody else who wants to find love. <gasps> yes. 
she is a doll and mm. a babe and mm. a long time yeah. yes long time listener um let me find her in my fucking notes which i thought actually that i had organized better but all of a sudden aha okay oh fuck okay i have to go into instagram because so i was like what do you want me to tell people about you and I never copy pasted it into my notes. So you know, I feel like we should have some different theme music that pops on right now, so people can get ready for they will chill the dating. <gasps> yeah, to like do, a do, 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 loungy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight we have V. V is a babe. V is very generous and very kind and very dedicated to helping other people be better. Or making their lives better, is what I meant to say. So she said, <laughs> she's 39, she's a clean freak, a homebody, and a pothead. Yes. <laughs> she lives in, oh, she loves fruit, food, true crime, cannabis, politics, international studies, when she's not working, studying, or being home with her son, family, and friends. She lives in the Pacific Northwest. She's beautiful. Anybody out there? I, yeah. I do believe she's looking for a heterosexual relationship. Yep. And we have a lot of listeners out there in the Northwest part of the country. We do. So, yeah, not as many as we have in Australia, which is weird. Really? But yeah. It was well, I mean, I guess Australia is large. So that, anyway, that's crazy. It's also very far away. And I only know one person there. And I don't <laughs> think they listen. They're a rug merchant. <laughs> And I don't actually know them. Laura knows them. But, yeah, Australia. Man, we're killing it in Australia. Australia's beating Chicago. Australia, like, anyway. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Australians. Thank you, Aussies. It's my, I'm sure it was my reference to Foster's beer some time ago. <laughs> For you, sure. You just, you heard the siren call and you all came flooding in. I picture they're like emergency alerts going off on the phones. <laughs> A huge F goes up in the sky. we got to tune in. Fosters. Okay, I'm not going to do it. Um, hey, so email us. Do you want to meet up with V? Do you yes. like all of those things? Yeah, we still have a, we have a male uh, young man <laughs> who's also looking for love still. We mentioned him before. Hot. Seems successful. Is going back to school to be an engineer. That's been recently announced. Loves biking. Yep. Looks like an amazing cook. And we have our Croatian queer person who's also still looking for love as far as I'm aware. So, yeah. If not, give us updates. We want to be a part of it. One of our yes. other listeners from the very beginning who I notice on Instagram sometimes is in a relationship. And I'm like, oh, man, when they get engaged, they best be calling us to officiate their wedding. Yes. Uh, you, not me. We've also very no, you firmly to, established we, that nobody wants just oh, right. me to do it. Courtney, come on. Well, we got to get our inner to our routine where dear Lee, the la bed. <laughs> I like how we're even doing it by syllable and not yeah. words. <laughs> yep. We stepped so. up our game, guys. We've stepped yeah. up our game yep. to make ourselves more desirable to those of you who want us to officiate your wedding That's that right. I don't want to officiate, but well, Sadie does. I'm going to make I'm... you. So you do what I say. <laughs> Fine. Uh, but only if I could do it syllabically. Yes. Monosyllabically. That sounds good. 
Uh, you want to hear some names? Shit, yes. Okay, great. Christian Center. All right. (laughs) Christian Center. (laughs) All right. Go on, parents. Uh I don't, I can't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that was intentional. I kind of doubt it for some reason with a name like Christian Center. I don't know. Dorcas Voluminous Pierce. Yes. (laughs) God, yes. God, yes. Please. Our new queen. Seriously. Dorcas Voluminous Pierce. (laughs) Harvey Dichter. (laughs) Harvey Dichter? Who who Dichter? Harvey Dichter. Harvey Dichter. (laughs) Oh, my dog's name Harvey. I like that name. Uh, these two people lived in a, I think, I believe it was a retirement community together. These two gentlemen, Seymour Wiener and Seymour Pecker. (laughs) Yes. Wasn't it like a doctor's office? And they called Uh, That's what it was. Yeah, I think it was a doctor's office. Thank you. They called Seymour and (laughs) one of them stood up, but it was the other one. And they realized... (laughs) Wiener? No. I'm a pecker. Pecker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's a name that somebody gave to their son so that he would become fucking rich and wear ascots. Quentin Prentice Oliver. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Smoking jacket. DDS. All the way. (laughs) Okay. Bernice Lee Hommel Decker Facemeyer. What? Yeah. That's every name. That's one whole name. <laughs> Say it again. Bernice Lee Hommel Decker Facemeyer. <laughs> Facemeyer by itself is a great name, but then put up yes. put every literally every name in front of it. God. Uh, um. Oh, we have a listener named Melissa Bate who is a Patreon supporter. And we always, you know, say Melissa B and I, God knows what kind of fucking rampage I went on. And she said that she's always M bait on everything. And so she's permanent masturbator. Had I known <laughs> Melissa Bate, uh-huh. Had. I really could have <laughs> taken it to the limit with my Patreon shout out. <laughs> but children are listening. This is not that kind of show. We are at a little league game right now. We are at a little league speak. game. I can, I, woo, watch your mouth. Six and seven year olds are everywhere. Murder's uh, okay. okay, but masturbation is just nasty. It's filthy. It's filthy. We do not talk about that. Um, Clarica Lit. Yes. Yep. I just want the last name Lit. Seriously. Um, oh, somebody mentioned that, uh, who was, uh, Nick Cannon and, oh yeah, (laughs) what's her name? The most famous singer of all time. (laughs) Oh my God. I really cannot remember her name right now. (laughs) All that's coming into mind is All I want for Christmas. Mariah Carey, their son's name is Zillionaire Air. (laughs) Oh no, Zillion Air. Zillion Air. Zillion Air. Air. Oh my god. Good. And last but not least, Spring King. Spring King. Spring King. Fuck yeah. 
Uh, we have a bunch more place names, but I'm going to save them for next time. So yes. tune in next time if you want to or don't. I don't fucking care. It's your nope. life. Do what yep. you want with it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. I don't. Grief. I didn't mean that. God, I just, I. <laughs> I do care. I care deeply. I want you here. I love you. <laughs> Courtney and I are have, like trying to set better boundaries in our lives. <laughs> Courtney has set a very firm boundary with all of you that we love so much. Or did I set us it? Did endlessly. I, I think I set it for them. I like projected. Yeah, it you were totally them. setting their own boundaries for yeah. themselves. Do whatever you want. It's your body. I, you don't have to. I, you don't need anything from me. <laughs> That's not how this works. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> God. <laughs> Sorry, oh, guys. God. <laughs> Please come back. Uh, do you want some patron shouty outies? Shit, yeah, but none of them better be having anything to do with masturbation or I quit. <laughs> All right, let's see. First up tonight. Uh, thank you so much to Shara B. Share a big one. Yep. I told you no <laughs> masturbation references, and look what you brought me. Uh-huh. Share But it could be share a big, big one as in success, love, uh-huh. share a big success, share a big love, share a big uh, <laughs> Sunday, a Sunday. <laughs> share is a really pretty name. I've never heard that name before in my life, and I'm sure she's really fucking sick of that joke. Sorry, yeah. Shara. It's a really pretty name. But you should Thank share a, b- a big one. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Christina C. Cute. Christina Cute. Would suit two U's and C U U T E. Christina. Cute. It's the cutest. Uh, thank you so much to Lee S. Speaking of Aussie listeners, got the <gasps> siren song the Foster's <laughs> Fosters <laughs> Lee S Lee stands for truth justice <laughs> uh, barbecue what are they like in Australia <laughs> truth and justice and barbecue <laughs> uh, shirts open down further than Americans are comfortable with but sharks. also are yes sharks um, yeah Bowie knives or big knives, with <laughs> antler handles on them. Oh, good. Um, We're losing all of our attractive faces. <laughs> this is what Lee stands for. If you can't handle it, you get should out. Get out. <laughs> you should do whatever you want. No, please don't. We already covered that. We want you to say. Uh, last but not least, thank you so much to Lacey H. Lacey. Lacey. Listen, Lacey. <laughs> I know about you. I know where you've been. I know what you've been up to. And I like it. I think it's good. I think it's intriguing. <laughs> I think other people want to know about it, too. So tell them about it. Lacey, don't be shy. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Cut <laughs> it out. Oh my god, are we gonna turn into uh what's his face? The in and out guy? What's his you know what I mean? In not even a little bit. 
God. Uh, Tell him, take me there. The, the Hulu magic guy that we just talked about recently. Oh, that I can never... Delgadio. Yes. What if you turn this portion of our show into, like, reading into their souls? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see. You tell people what they need to hear. Just look in your eyes really intensely and say, mm-hmm. you're the... You're a unicorn. And I turn to Lee and I say, (laughs) you're a healer. And then I turn to Shara. I turn to Shara and I say, you're a teacher. And I turn to who else? Who else do I have? I turn to Christina and I say, you're a ninja. (laughs) And then pan to Tim Gunn, shaking and crying, pan up to Bill Gates, just Uh standing there. Yep. Turn around. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you the end if you haven't seen it, but it's shocking. <laughs> yes, that is what yeah. this is going to turn this into. Just... In and of itself, that's the name of the show. Da- David Delgadio, in and yeah. of itself. In and out. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, See, staring yes. at you really intensely. Yes. You're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Tim Gunn crying and shaking. <laughs> oh, oh my God, my gracious, computer's about to die. So yeah, uh, thank you, all of you, for being period. here. Period. Thank you Calm. very much. Yes, yes. Come find us on social media at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at They Will Kill. Email us at they will kill podcast at gmail.com. Go to our website, they will kill. Uh, rate, review, rate, review, <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> I think my brain just seriously shut down. Whoop. Sadie totally blacked out. Yeah, our reviews have been quiet. So if you're like, yes. oh, they get plenty of reviews lately, we've had like one two star review in the last like three weeks so it give was us some rude. it was yeah. a rude one although i do find it funny that they did not like the podcast because we talk about cops and white privilege and stuff which is fine i don't blame you oh god but, no well and it was but, also not even like i'm glad they didn't keep listening because it was mate yeah. like the one that they criticized was totally mellow but hey if you're listening uh we don't like a lot of what cops do so yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not individual cops. It's the fucking sit- whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Also, if you don't like it, just turn it off and walk away. Move on with your life. Don't go log into Apple Podcasts, which is the <laughs> hardest thing <laughs> to fucking navigate. And then mm, two stars. But I do appreciate giving us two stars more over one star. I guess so. that means you did yeah. like it a little bit. I guess. I know. But yeah, really, we really we're gonna keep talking about that stuff. Can't not do it. So. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah. But anyway, if you like the show and you think we get all of the reviews all the time, just no. don't assume that and give us one because we like them. <laughs> don't give us one because we like them. Yes. It does uh, feel like uh, old-timey mail, like when you used to get letters. That's what yes. it feels like. Yes. It's so exciting. It yep. really is. Um, uh, AJ Bergantz is the music thanks. master for the show. He's going to now write us some jingles for the Will Chill because I'm going to make him like do this. it. Yep. Boom, 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 totally. Yep. Um, and remember. Um, I've just been thinking a lot about curiosity. I think that people should engage with curiosity on every level. Everything you, anything that comes up in your day, 
just be a little bit more curious. Other people, yes. other kinds of people, things that make you uncomfortable, things, you know, within reason, things that intrigue you. Think, just yeah. like, I think if we were all more curious, the world would be a way fucking better place. Yeah. One of my uh, therapy lessons, the big ones that I've learned, mm-hmm. like I had some gripe about my marriage or something. She was like, well, what would happen if you approached him with curiosity? Yes. And it was like, um, I'm not able to do that because I'm feeling frustrated. And she's like, well, just switch it. Like, what if you're just curious about whatever it was? And I was like, oh, my God, now I can't be mad. And I feel my heart feels happy. And I don't know what to do with that. Cause I'm- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> curiosity. Mm-hmm. Is a wonderful, what would you, what's the, what is it, what is curiosity? A state of being. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. state of being. It totally. implies happiness. It's a, it's up feeling. Well, it's you want to learn. It's about learning. Yes. It's not about judging or like. Right. Yep. It's just all about understanding and learning. And that's a really and do, nice place to be. Totally. And I think it's a, an like an offensive sort of. I think if you're curious, you hold control too. So it's less vulnerable, I think, than other states of being can be. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, tell me about that. I want to learn about that. Then you have agency over the situation. And so maybe if something's scary, just be curious. Or something yeah. makes you angry, just be well, if, curious. Right. If somebody approaches you on like a touchy subject and says, I'm curious about how that made you feel, like that's so approachable. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. be happy to tell you about how that made me feel because that's a, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. So curiosity, curiosity. Okay. Hope you're taking notes, AJ. This is how we're going to end this part of the show. <laughs> Keep going. Go. But then you're going to have to put the theme music on top right now. Oh, that sounds like shit. I can already tell. <laughs> We love we you guys. Love you. We really love you. And so much. we really hope you come back despite the fact that we verbally told you not to twice. Yes. <laughs> we didn't mean we're it. not manifesting that shit. Come back. We formally apologize. Yes. We'll see you in another Good- time. Goodbye. 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 Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.